Welcome to the Art of Holiness podcast, where we are creating conversations and communities that expose the kingdom of God. This is a New Room Network podcast. Here are your hosts, Carolyn Moore and Pierce Drake. Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are listening to this, welcome back to the Art of Holiness podcast with myself, Pierce Drake, and Carolyn Moore. We are so honored that you are back with us for another conversation. This is uh, where we talk about practical holiness and supernatural ministry and encouraging generationally each other. And so, um, man, I'm excited to press in today. Carolyn, how are you? I'm doing really good, Pierce. This little in-between time when we've taken a break between season one and season two, it's been kind of nice just for you and me to talk and let folks listen in um, just as we process what we have heard and why we're even here doing this at all. It's just been nice. I appreciate you guys listening in. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, before we get into what I want to talk about next week, we kick off season two. And so at the end of our time today, I'm going to let you know about some of the guests that we've already got lined up. And uh, our whole season two, minus one person, is, <laughs> is already booked out. So we are so excited about it. Um, yeah. but, but we are so honored and excited, as well as in season one, now season two, to partner with New Room. We are a New Room Network podcast. And mm-hmm. uh, we love those people over there at New Room and how much they mean to us. And hey, we know that in COVID-19, um, in 2020 world, everything has looked different. And people, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned at one point in an episode coming up that you just continue to hear the word pivot. Yes. Uh, and the only thing that I hear, and I'm guessing anybody under the age of 40 hears when they hear the word pivot, is you hear Ross from friends trying to get the couch up the stairs and he's just yelling pivot, <laughs> pivot over pivot, and pivot, over pivot. and over. And, uh, and so uh, our friends at New Room have been doing that. They've been pivoting and trying to figure out what's the best way to gather as we have for the last, gosh, six or seven years now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so they have now a night with New Room. It is going to be Friday, September 25th from six o'clock to eight o'clock. And that is central time. And, and it's free. This is an incredible night. It's free. And, you know, as I talked to them recently, just about the theme of the night, if you've ever been to a gathering or have ever read anything J.D.'s written, um, the kind of lead seedbed sower, sower-in-chief as his title is, it's all around awakening. And so this night is going to be around awakening. Yeah, they're going to have Jim Simbla, who wrote Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire years ago. It's a book that I read every year in January. It's just a reminder. Um, he's the pastor at Brooklyn Tabernacle. And a lot of other friends um, will be there as well for just a great night. And it's free. So gather around with some friends, maybe your family. Uh, if you're a pastor, grab some church people, have some dinner in a socially distant, fun way. And um, a great night to press in. So you can find all that information at newroomconference.com. And so check it out. I'll be there watching. Carolyn will be there with us. And, yeah. So I want to just, I want to just kind of emphasize something for pastors or people who have access to a big screen. Mm. (laughs) If you've got access to a big screen, you need to gather a few people together with you. As long as the the virus is allowing that in your area, Um, make sure you do um, you know, figure out what the timing is for your area at six to 8 PM central time. That's seven to nine Eastern time. So adjust from that for your time zone, but make sure you gather a few people around. This is the opportunity for you to get a taste of new room 
for free, completely free. And Pierce and I can both tell you, New Room has been a really important part of our spiritual formation. And it's definitely, it's the kind of community and the feel and the message that so many of us who do things like listen to this podcast are Mm hungry for so you will you will not be disappointed that's a guarantee um find a few people and gather them around the screen yeah i love it i love it you can even sign up for a watch party so if you're in your area and you right. can't find anybody you can sign up for a watch party and, mm-hmm. and join some people mm-hmm. so carolyn this is our last conversation of just me and you for until december mm-hmm. um until we jump back in after season two and so here's what I want to talk about. Here's the question I want to, for us to think about and discuss is we have been on this journey for a while of finding people that are living in this practical holiness, our understanding of true holiness um, and supernatural ministry and intergenerational encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been hearing from them and hearing their stories about where, where they're seeing the Holy Spirit move, where they're seeing mm-hmm. Jesus come to life, where they're seeing the Father's love poured out. Um, and I would just love to turn the question to you. Mm-hmm. Where are you seeing those things in your life? It is a great question. And I would say that one way I am seeing it, and this is not some kind of uh, pandering or self-promotion, but through these conversations that you and I are having, you know, some of the people we've been talking to, like Kevin Queen, like my, uh, Matt Scott, who went on a journey. I mean, they went on a personal journey and a quest to find out where the Holy Spirit was at work, and they visited places. And that was mm. back when we all traveled, and when we were all in big, huge rooms, and people were running around, and it was fine. Um, but you know, now, how do you go on those journeys? And it wasn't that we started it with this in mind so much we didn't realize when we started all this that we wouldn't be able to travel but now i've just become extremely aware after a season Mm. of conversations published and a season of conversations underway that we're doing the same kind of journey virtually and these conversations are shaping me um i assume they're shaped well i know they're shaping you too because we talk um And I think a good conversation has the power to change the spiritual atmosphere. So Mm. um, the more, the more I listen to what these guests are saying to us, the more excited I get about just, just, there's just such good spiritual leadership all around us. And, and, um, and, and that encourages my spirit a lot. So that's one Mm. place where I'm intentionally going after the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is just through this sort of you and me finding people having good conversations. Right. Um, I would say beyond that, um, just in, in terms of kind of look at the longer view of my life and where I've found it, it started for me. I started ministry 22 years ago, 22 years ago, somebody walked into my office. I mean, I had been a pastor for maybe a month or two months and Angel Davis walked into my office and she was, she was crying and she was wanting to talk about all of the things that were going on in her life. And she was sensing this, this, this um, hunger for something deeper. Mm. And that initial conversation was the beginning of a journey that Angel and I took together into healing prayer. We studied Ed Smith's 
um, tr uh, uh, t what is it? Uh, theophostic prayer. I had to come up with the old term for it. it. Was it was a kind of healing prayer? We also looked at Francis McNutt's healing prayer method, and we we took a few people in that church on a journey with us to understanding what healing prayer was like, and that has been such a huge thing in my life and in my ministry. Um, I've been you know, over the years. There have been seasons when when the Holy Spirit has just really kind of blown that part of my ministry up. And I and it's like every person who walked in my office got an incredible healing or deliverance. Right. And yeah, yeah. It's just a beautiful, just it's been a beautiful part of my ministry. And it's totally, totally uh, by the sort of the provenient grace of somebody walking in kind of forcing me to figure out what to do with this person before I even knew what to do with a person. And then, and then um, just the Holy Spirit, just continuing to fan that, that gift into flame. So healing prayer is a place where I've seen it in my own life. And, um, and I'm so thankful for those ministries that have really focused on healing prayer and that have offered that kind of the ministry of healing prayer as a big part of what they do i hop and mm -hmm. as i said francis which is, McNutt, which is christian healing really quick because mm -hmm. people the i hops the international house of prayer that's right although we, we just although i be... have to say i have had a spiritual experience while eating harvest grain and nut pancakes i'll just go ahead and say that and put that out oh, there i don't think that's goodness. what you're asking is it no i don't think so i don't think so <laughs> I am more of a Waffle House person, but well, that's yeah. another discussion. Another discussion for another day. Right, yeah. right. So I want to just, if, if it's okay, I just want to kind of walk through what healing prayer looks like when I, when someone walks into my office. And yeah, this is great because last week we talked about what it was for me, mm -hmm. right? Like we talked about how Dr. Siemens and I walked through it right? Um, and my understanding of it. And, right. and you're the one who introduced me to it. And yeah. in a moment, I was one of those people that like in a season was walking in your door. And, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, the, that, this is great. Let's, let's, I would love to hear your side of it now. So the, the principle underneath healing prayer is this, that, um, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes the, the, the things that he has for your life, the hopes that he has for your life, his desire to heal, that never changes. The other principle is that Jesus, that, that God, God lives outside of time. So what we might experience as past tense isn't necessarily, or what we might experience, let me say it this way, what we, we might experience as memory isn't necessarily past tense for, uh, for Jesus. He lives outside of time. He's able to see past, present, and future. It's not, I'm not trying to, intim, uh, to intimate in any way that he, um, that he is all predetermined. I'm just saying he knows. He knows. So, um, so Jesus, who can stand in what I might call a memory, is willing to take me back. If I, if I invite Jesus to walk with me back through my, the kind of the cave of my life, the cave of my memories. And if I invite him to, to, to take me, to show me the place where some brokenness first revealed itself in my life, then he will do that. What he's, what he's taking me to is a place in my life where some wound was first inflicted 
say it also it also often it happens in childhood it may be it could be an innocent thing someone who did something unknowingly it could also be you know insidious and lots of our childhood wounds are insidious um, so someone has harmed you or wounded you in some significant way in in childhood and when that wound happens the enemy of your soul just sort of slips a lie in mm. he just slips it in and 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 then he just like a, like a splinter in the bottom of your foot just to see how much havoc he can wreak in your life and and that lie like a splinter in your foot if it's not removed it will change like with a splinter in your foot it will change your gait you'll try to you'll you'll walk with a preference away from that spot where the splinter was it's the same with a lie that gets slipped into your life you can oh, find yourself good. with a sensitivity around that lie and that can move on into adulthood if you never remove the lie from your life so with many women i might hear that um say someone who has experienced childhood sexual abuse um they might hear um if you if you tell anyone you'll be hurt or mm. you're worthless or you deserved this um or, or, or it's some, some lie that makes them feel like their, their voice has been taken away. Those are often the lies that I hear people have received. So what Jesus will do then is he will walk you back to that place where the lie was first slipped into your life. You and him stand there together. You look at that, that moment. He's with you. He's protecting you. See the moment for what it is. Jesus reveals the lie and he will. I mean, I've just seen it over and over countless times now. I have seen people have the lie revealed to them while they stand in the presence of their memory with Jesus. He tells them where the lie was, what lie was spoken, and then he will remove the lie and replace it with his truth. Why doesn't he remove the, the memory? He doesn't remove the memory because Jesus uses everything. Everything is redeemed in the kingdom mm. of God. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason to remove the memory. Now, your memory, without the lie associated, without the sensitivity associated, your memory is now your testimony. And it's a way for you to help someone else walk out of darkness into light. So, um, do you think so that's Jesus, where, do you think that's where Paul, we can go in a few different ways, but you think that's part of what Paul is saying when he says, I boast in my weakness. I boast in the things that have hurt um, exactly. because, because the resurrected power of, of our Savior has entered into that story and redeemed it. Exactly. Exactly. If God had removed all the memories from my mm. life of the things that have happened to me, I would have I would have so much less to offer the world. It's not as if I needed it, but I work from it in in, in really powerful ways. And so it also reminds you, it also reminds you of your need. If he if if God removes the memory, then he removes your remembrance of needing him. Right. Exactly. There you go. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So he redeems everything. He makes good out of everything. Um, it's, it's Romans eight, you know, I worked all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to their purpose. So, um, so Jesus will take the lie out he'll replace it with his, with his truth. And, and, and it's just, bam, I just see it. I just, I sit in the room stunned over and over as I watch people get healed. I want to tell you one that happened 
It must have been earlier this year. I, it must have been earlier this 2020 year. 2020 has been a long year. I know. <laughs> it's either this year. Bit. It was either last month or 10 years ago. I can't remember now. Right, right. <laughs> I watched, I had a, a, a woman come to my office. Um, I'd actually been talking about this. We were in a premarital counseling session with this couple um, trying really to decide if they were going to have me do their wedding. And um, both of them kind of not really involved with the church, not really involved with Jesus. And one of them just, just said to me, you know, I just don't have a lot of use for religion. I've, you know, I got hurt as, as, as a young person and I just don't have a lot of use for it. So, you know, I'm kind of saying, well, you know, it sounds like to me, you need a secular wedding, not a Christian wedding. And that kind of stirred up something in them. And then, and then I start talking about, so tell me a little bit more about where you, you know, what hurt you. And as she talked, you could just hear it. And I just introduced this thought, what, what if God wants to heal you from that? And uh, the next day she called me up. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but I want it. I just wow. know I'm hungry for it. I want it. So she came back into my office and, um, and she I said, here's what we're going to do. And I kind of explained to her just what I explained here. You know, we're going to let Jesus walk you through the cave of your memories. We're going to let him stand with you at the point of your first, uh, the, the wound that kind of started all of this and, and let him reveal the lie to you and then speak his truth. And she said, well, here's the thing. I don't pray. I, I haven't prayed in years. I'm not early a Christian. And I said, I'd never had anybody present that way before, but I figured Jesus has got to want this person's soul more than I do. Right. So I just said, I don't think that matters. I think because, because the thing is, this is, this is Jesus leading this party, not you. Right. So let's just see what happens. You let Jesus lead. He'll pray, not you. Mm. He'll pray. And I, he and I will pray for you. So she she um she begins this path this journey down this path she's she's she says she's not really hearing anything not really hearing anything and then i heard something i'd never experienced it quite this way before occasionally i'll hear something but not like this it was just i heard a really clear word this is the memory and this is the lie and don't say anything and i was like okay so I sat there with that thought in my head. And then she's telling me, I'm not hearing anything. I'm not really hearing anything. And I said, I'll tell you what, instead of listening, why don't you tell me what you see? And when she began to describe what she was seeing, it was exactly what I'd heard. I mean, like verbatim what I'd heard. Um, and, and the lie was verbatim the lie that I heard. And um, then I asked her to let Jesus tell her his truth. And she said to me, this was someone who had experienced sexual abuse at the hands of a family member. And she said to me, when I, when I, when I was asking her, you know, do you, do you see the truth yet? She said, she said, she's kind of stopped. She, she started crying and she said, no, but here's what I see. I see Jesus coming into the room and taking me out of there. And I am experiencing Jesus inviting me to be saved. And I was just like, 
wow, like Jesus is, he's just bypassing me altogether. There's no sinner's prayer to pray here. He's picked her up out of this childhood room. He has walked her out the door and he's now praying with her to be saved. And I'm just a bystander in the whole process. When she finished that prayer time, she believed in Jesus. She was hungry and friends, she and her husband, whose wedding I did, have been in church every Sunday we've been open since. And I mean, not just every, every Sunday before we closed down and every Sunday after we opened back up. Actually, I think this happened after we closed down, but they've been in church and, and they've been in small groups. She, she had a genuine salvation experience in the context of healing prayer. So does Jesus heal us when he saves us? Yes. Does Jesus heal us after he saves us? Yes. Does Jesus keep healing us after he saves us? Yes. Why? Because he wants us to be a witness to his power in the world. Yeah. I love so, that. I so love that. I love me. I think there's this I think there's this concept within the church body that at least in our in our strain of kind of Bible belt mainline denominational mm-hmm. um world mm-hmm. where um the supernatural is for like when you really want to go deep into the things of God. Right, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and in this story, it's the supernatural, which reminds me a lot of some biblical stories. <laughs> but it's the supernatural that brings her to Jesus. Yeah, it's yeah. it's this supernatural moment, um, and of of healing prayer. Yeah, where she didn't have the words for that. Yeah, she couldn't. Right. She couldn't fake that. She, I mean, in, outside, unless she knew something we didn't know about her, you know, um, and. Uh, and so, so yeah, yeah, that is that's beautiful. I love that. We yeah. need to we need to open our eyes to to begin to ask Jesus, um, to to expand our thought and expand our faith um, into into who we have these conversations with, with right. with the right con- like with the right heart and with the right motive. Paul says, you know, obviously you do anything without love, it's you're a noisy yeah. gong. And so, love is in that moment. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just amazing to me to think about how, how the salvation experience and the healing experience are all intertwined Hmm. and, 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 and how intertwined our emotional healing is with our spiritual, emotional, spiritual, physical, it can all be intertwined to, to, you know, all of it is, it really is true. We are one whole being. Right, and so to, to to go back to one of our main three strands, which is practical holiness, mm-hmm. we have said practical holiness is not when we set ourselves apart and look different than than like a, like the Pharisees did, mm-hmm. and we wear all white. That's not it. Mm-hmm. But right. practical holiness is being Jesus pouring Himself fully out in our lives, in our brokenness. Yes, and then and then us taking on that resurrection power. And then returning the favor and to other people. So, like this is this is practical. This is supernatural ministry happening. This moment. It's also Jesus' practical holiness pouring out in this girl's life. Yes, love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it and it. There is a. I was so humbled at the end of that session. I I can tell you that of all 
the healing prayer sessions I have been part of, I can pull out three or four where the power was so great and my cluelessness was also pretty strong that I I knew it was Jesus and I was so humbled to be in the room with it. I think when real healing, um, when real healing happens, when real, real power is poured out the right, or maybe it inspires humility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. So let me share one more with you. Yeah. I'd love it. Um, We'd love um, it. It's more than just me and you here. <laughs> we need to just go ahead and tell people right now that we text back and forth during these sessions just to sure. say what we're what we're um okay you take the next one or here's the question i want to ask so i just texted pierce have i shared the story about the blonde woman who got healed and then i realized that text wrote blonde instead of blind so then i tried to say fix it and i wrote the word blonde again the it's blind bad, woman that's pierce a, that's the a bad blind it's <laughs> a bad joke it's a 1999 male joke right there it's terrible so So yes tell us about the blind woman (laughs) lord help me lord help me so um this was a really powerful powerful experience uh two years ago i think a year ago year and a half ago again i can't remember these things anymore but um i was at westgate chapel with Alec Rollins, who we will interview in season two. So very excited about that. Um, he, they are in Edmonds, Washington, and I've been there several times. And uh, it, it feels to me like uh, Pentecostalism in Edmonds, Washington feels a lot like holiness uh, in, in Augusta, Georgia. It's just, it's a good mix of solid Wesleyan theology with enlivened by the power of the Holy Spirit. So these are people who were hungry for uh, whatever the Holy Spirit has for them. And I've really been privileged to be with them several times. So this one retreat for women that I was uh, leading, we went through that kind of healing prayer that I just shared with you. We, We walked through the whole thing and I did it with an entire room full of people. And it was really, it's, it's always just stunning to me to see how many people encounter Christ in those healing moments. Well, there was a woman there, her name is Cheryl, who encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And she was, she was released of a lot of emotional pain. She went home, she told her husband, I haven't felt this good in years. I heard the Lord tell me that I am worthy. And she was just, she said, she kind of went home floating and Cheryl deserved to go home floating. She had had a really rough couple of years. She had two sets of strokes, like not one stroke and then one stroke, but sort of these, these sets of mini strokes that had um, severely limited her physically. It took away her driving privileges. The worst of it was that one eye was struck completely blind. And the doctor had actually told her just before she came on that retreat, your your eye is not gonna get better. It's like if lightning struck a tree trunk, you know, the the lightning just, it goes through the, the eye and it, it, or the tree or whatever, you know, it just goes through it and it kills, it kills all the cells. And so that's what a stroke did to your eye. It just went through and it, 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 it killed it. It's not coming back. 
And she was a little discouraged, not, not, a lot, not a little, she was a lot discouraged by that. She came on the retreat and she got this, this, this inner healing um, that was remarkable, remarkable enough to go home and talk, talk to her husband about, remarkable enough to send her to a sleep that night that she had not experienced literally in like months or years. Um, a lot of the blindness, a lot of the problem with the blindness was it brought on this kind of vertigo. And it, even when she laid down, it was just really hard to rest. She slept like a baby that night. The next morning, they picked me up for, because I was preaching at the, the church that day, um, Sunday morning, they picked me up and they said, have you heard about Cheryl? And I was like, I don't even know who Cheryl is. I didn't, I didn't, she didn't say anything to me about her healing on Saturday. And oh, Cheryl got healed. And I'm thinking the emotional healing, the stuff we do with inner healing. That's awesome. No, no, Cheryl. Cheryl is blind in one eye. Cheryl who had the stroke. Cheryl got healed. Well, what happened that morning when Cheryl woke up, she realized she could see her husband in her peripheral vision on the side. He always slept on her blind side. And she could see him and it freaked her out. She woke him up. They spent the next two hours doing all kinds of vision tests to make sure it wasn't somehow, you know, Something. not real. They, um, they came to the church. They, she walked, she, no dizziness, walked right up the steps, very beginning of the service, told this room full of people she'd gotten healed, handed me the little disability thing on her car, yeah. and then drove home that day. Frankly, not sure I would have wanted to be in the car with her. <laughs> but she, and she hasn't stopped driving since. Come on. I saw her a year later when I went back out there for something, and she told, this was just this year, and we kind of, we just embraced each other in the hallway because now we have this shared story of what right. Jesus has done in her life. Her emotional healing led to a genuine physical healing. And just the week before she'd been to the ophthalmologist for a checkup and he told her she had the eye of an, of, of, of an adolescent. He called it juvenile vision. I've never had juvenile vision, even when I was juvenile. I've been a juvenile delinquent, but I have never had juvenile <laughs> vision. He told her her eye was completely pink and healthy, better than it was before. I mean, Jesus didn't just heal her. He polished the thing, stuck a new one in there. It was just glorious to hear her talk. And, and my goodness, the the joy and the enthusiasm and the encouragement that an entire body of Christ got from that kind of miracle. Right. Right. Really a beautiful thing. Yeah. Wow. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Yeah. Healing prayer is powerful, is yeah. powerful. And it's, and it's that, that, that power is available to anyone. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about going on a journey or going after things if we're intentional about going after the supernatural power of the spirit, we will be found by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's right. there. God is always more willing to give than we are to receive. Whether you have admittedly not be not walking with him yet. Right. Or if you have been walking with him for years and right. not fully um, experienced or pushed into. Um, right this this side of his love and his grace right right 
So, you know, I, at the risk of um, abusing her platform, and I don't want to do that, but I, I mean, I've just had so much, um, I've just had so much encouragement in this area and, um, and have walked myself, you know, personally from mainline Protestantism into a much more spirit-filled um, ministry. And so I just, if you're listening and you're trying to figure out, all right, how do I bring that to my community? I want to encourage you to look at, there's two or three books out there that I would, I would suggest, but of course I'm going to start with Supernatural that I've written. It's a workbook and, um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's very accessible. Mm. Uh, Rika McCrory is someone we will hear from in season two. She's wrote a, she's written a book called Wildfire, also extremely accessible. Um, Which uh, Rika, like, I just, I want to talk about Rika just for a second. Like mm -hmm. Rika is, we're going to talk about this in the episode, but I want to go ahead and pitch it. Like Rika's a lay person. Right. Right. Like, Rika's a doctor. Right. Like she's not a pastor. She's not a quote unquote like theologian in the in the right. academic world. Right. You know, like she is somebody who was sitting in the pews and still sits in the pews and got a hunger for Jesus. Yes. And went after Jesus. Yes. And so um, I think yes. sometimes we think this is, yeah, I just, yeah, yes, all that. Yeah. Yeah. What's um, the other book? Uh, well, I can keep naming. Um, Alec, Alec Rollins, who we'll also hear from in season two, has a book called The Presence, mm. which is so worth your time. Mark Nicewander has a book called Revival Rising. You can find that on Seedbed. You, his last name is hard to spell, but look for Revival Rising on Seedbed. Um, uh, Francis McNutt has a, has a book called Healing, which is just... It's the seminal work, in my opinion, and it really does give you a lot of fundamental, um, just just the theological underpinning for all of this that we're talking about. Um, there's so much out there, but it, you know, go after it. Go after it. If 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 he he will be found by you if you seek him with your whole heart. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. And for the person that's sitting there going, "Thank you for the books. I'll get those books." Um, but I'm scared I'm going to come across the the weird side of the charismatic world, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that in, in the past, you know, um, that that just a reminder, like we test all of this against scripture. Right. And and we believe in, in the scripture from the first book to the last being the word of God, mm -hmm. sufficient for all teaching. Mm -hmm. and And so... Um, trust that when you trust that if even if you get a book that um, you got questions about or don't know or you're like don't let the unknown press you like trust the Holy Spirit to lead you into to His truth as you read it. Right, and chew the meat and spit out the bones. Yeah, we exactly. have to. You know, I, I I really encourage you just just let yourself relax a little around mm, some of yeah. this stuff. And I would just ask you very gently, how has mainline Protestantism been working for you? You know, if you're looking for a deeper experience, you may find some things out there that don't quite square, but there will be so much more that feels like fresh water. Yeah. So chew the meat, spit out the bones, keep looking. You'll find your groove. You right. will find your group. Right. I, I, another one, Mike Pilavachi's Naturally Ooh. Supernatural. He hits it dead on the money. 
Or uh, is it natural? It's everyday supernatural. Everyday supernatural. Sorry. Everyday yes. supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's a guy that I ran across when I lived in London. And he is, excuse me, he is uh, just an incredible guy over there. He, he travels all around the world, but he's based out of England. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, when I came across his ministry and I was 21, that was a, a game changer for me. And uh, mm-hmm. I love I love his ministry. I love the way that he carries Jesus with him. Yeah. Um, with humor and with depth and with gentleness, it's it's incredible. Hey, Carol, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Um, what is something that the Holy Spirit is working on you or has been working on you outside of healing prayer um, in this season of COVID? I heard this. I heard uh, John Tyson say this, who's a pastor um, up in in New York and used to be here in Nashville from Australia. Mm-hmm. I think it's Australia, um, and uh, he said. He said, I'm really scared. It's such a powerful thing to say. He said, I'm really scared when our kids ask us, what, what did we do during, during COVID? We're going to tell them about the Netflix shows we watched. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a, yeah, yeah. that's like, good. You know, um, yeah. we're going to talk about Tiger King and, <laughs> and how we rewatched the office or, or whatever it yeah. is. And I'm not downplaying yeah. the time to, that we need just to relax. Yeah. But but during this season, what's something the Holy Spirit is is doing within you? Yeah. Well, I think for you know a lot of people who came home from the office, um there was a lot more downtime. Pastors did not experience that. Right. Pa- pastors have been overfunctioning since mid-March, maybe right. sooner. Right. And um so there's not been extra Netflix for me and and in fact part of the part of the um I think part of the growth for me has been learning how to stop over-functioning. As a female in ministry, I've been over-functioning for 22 years. And one of the bigger things that has happened in this season is I've finally come up against something that I realize I cannot fix. Mm. In fact, one of my pastoral letters to my congregation was, I cannot fix this for you. I cannot fix any of it. I cannot fix the the hatred you have for masks. I cannot fix your fear of us coming back together. I cannot fix any of it. All I can do is witness to the prophetic power of, of, of communal worship. And if you can be here with us, great. And if not, we'll be here when you get here. I cannot fix the details. Mm. Um, that's been a real powerful, powerful uh, sort of healing and release for me. The other really huge uh, thing that's happened for me is is, is centering prayer. I, I knew about centering prayer. Um, I was really good about at centering prayer before I planted a church. Um, I've gotten really good at it again, and yeah. um, or or at least I've gotten really hungry for it. That's better, not good at it, but I've gotten very hungry for the place of prayer in general, for intercession, of course, has been a big deal for me in this season, but centering prayer has been the practice for me, yeah. looking, listening, for God's voice and centering prayer much more than other kinds of prayer for me. Centering prayer is where I hear the prophetic word. Mm. And it's also where I receive the peace. So that's that's what's been working for me. How about you? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, one, I want to just give another book shout out. Um, if, if prayer is something that you're pressing into and you're hearing Carolyn and I talk about centering prayer and healing prayer and intercessory prayer mm-hmm. and adoration prayer and Mm-hmm. Uh, check out this book called How to Pray uh, by Pete Gregg. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a great entry book 
it's deep, but it's great. It's easy mm-hmm. read. And mm-hmm. it walks you through all the different kind of types of prayer. And kind of Pete talks about, um, here's the whole toolbox of prayer. And you're going to connect some to more in different seasons. But mm-hmm. here's the whole toolbox to learn it. And so I would just encourage you to pick that book up and, and read it. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think a theme that I have been walking through and it started in healing prayer is, is and we've talked about this, and I don't know if we've talked about this on episode or just on our own time, um, but this this practically living as a son of God, yeah. not just a servant. And, um, and yep. that, that has been, so not being afraid to mess up, being a little more bolder in um, putting what I believe God's put on my heart or told me. Or, um, you know, Carolyn, two weeks ago, I talked about how um, the night before we recorded the podcast, I went on that drive. You remember that? Like around our city in the middle of yes. the night, like three yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. And there was a, I don't know if I shared this, there was a moment where I was driving through um, this part of our town called Gladeville. I was driving through Gladeville and um, I'm coming up on a curve. And uh, as I'm coming up on the curve, I just feel like the house on the left is a house of of depression and anxiety and mm. hurt. Mm. And, um, and there's nothing in me that feels like I need to stop and go in the house. There's nothing that urgent. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like... And so I just begin to pray over that house until I get to the next school. I'm just praying over that house the whole time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, when I turned the corner, I was probably a half a mile away from the corner when that, that impression, and I didn't know anything, you know, I'm just going to press into it. And I turned the corner and there was a truck in the front yard uh, of, of a business in town. And I, and it's a large business. It's not a small business. And I happened to, one of my small group leaders is works at that business. And so a week later, I just asked him, I was like, hey, do you know who lives over on this road in Gladeville? And he was like, yeah, actually, I know him really well. And I said, hey, this is weird. I know it sounds going to sound a little strange. It's like I was driving by at like 1 a.m. the other day, and and this is the things I felt. And I just began to pray over that. And I was like, I'm just asking not to look. I just would, do you not know? Not to his, interfere. Just Not to know. interfere. Do you know his story? Do you know if, if that, did I hear right? Was, you know, and he almost began weeping. My goodness, um, and uh, and the, and he began to share the guy's story, um, and so I'm trying to work on listening, um, and being faithful in what I hear, and being okay with messing up. As Jack Deere said, you're going to trip over yourself sometimes. You're going to say right. it wrong, but right. your motive is going to be love. Right. Um, I'll tell you, I've noticed in my life over the last two and a half, three months. Um, this doesn't sound very humble to say, but. Uh, I would say since the beginning of July, so we're talking two months now. Like, I've just felt like I have a, this sounds weird, I I don't like to self-promote. I feel like my heart has become more tender. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean, this is it. You you had a breaking moment during this crisis. I did. did. And you've got two choices when you get broken. One is to, to, to step back pull in, become defensive, externalize the blame. And, and everybody around you will know, <laughs> right. don't touch that wound because yeah. that's not good. Or, or when you have those breaking moments, you have the opportunity to just be broken and then let Jesus heal it from the inside out. And, yeah. um, and what you did was you went after someone who could let you lean into healing prayer, um, who could speak into your life in a different way. And that's made a huge difference. Yeah, for Um, sure. It's made a huge difference. So I would say, you know, 
just things you kind of pulling this conversation together um, for somebody who's who's listening right now. Uh, it's not too late to be changed mm. by COVID. You have right. not, you have right. not we missed, missed your it. moment. I haven't missed the moment. Um, and and what are you going to what are you going to be able to say about 2020 when this is all over with? Are you going to be able to say? We oh it was the year from hell. I'm just glad it's over. We, we'll probably all say that, but um, or or are you really going to? That's not even going to be your lead sentence because what you really want to say is, this was a very difficult year for the country and the world. Right. But let me tell you what happened to me. Yeah, that's and it. Are you are you going to be able to testify to the power of Jesus to make all things new to turn? ashes into beauty you know to work all things together for good if and 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 again are you going to just let it happen passively or are you going to go after it right and that's the whole point of these conversations with the art of holiness it is let's go after it people if you want a different church go after it if you want a different life go after it if you want a different narrative for the brokenness inside of you go after it be intentional spiritual formation is intentional transformation i love it and so we're going after it in season two we kick off season two next tuesday i'm so excited like i said we almost are booked up for season two already we only have one spot left um, and we believe we know who that is uh but just some names that are coming our way in season two we've already talked about rika mccoy um kevin queen who is the pastor at cross point church here in nashville tennessee in that area tim Tennant, who is the president at asbury theological seminary kevin watson who i would regard as one of the top wesleyan theologians of our time and yes. uh, an incredible man of god adam weber miriam swafford um, Low Alleman, uh, Low's a great friend of ours, and uh, and and some more are coming our way. And as we thought, we talked about Alec Rollins is coming our way for for season two. But we kick off next um, Tuesday morning. You don't want to miss this conversation. Yeah. As we kick off our time with Dr. Steve Siemens, yeah. you've heard us talk about him. Uh, he is he is a past or a teacher and 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 doctor at Asbury Theological Seminary. And, and he is the one that Carolyn introduced me to this summer to do spiritual direction with and healing prayer. So check this out really quick from something that he talked about with us coming up. All of a sudden, that word holiness is actually becoming uh, beautiful again. The, the notion, you know, it's not, oh, I, you know, I got to, they, they want to go deeper in the Lord. There's, 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 they're being called into a deeper walk with him. And I see the Lord preparing them for what's what's ahead. So there's that and there's more coming (laughs) our way. Um, A lot of stuff. Don't forget, sign up for New Room Conference this year. Um, It is an incredible way to gather together to go after the awakening that God is calling us into as as his church and his people to to continue to carry the gospel. I'm, I'm still hanging on the words of Pete Bellini from episode one to season one, that God builds his people and the people build the kingdom. And, and so that is what we're headed after this next uh, season two. Thank you, Carolyn, for speaking, sharing some stories with us today. Thank you. What a pleasure. See you guys in season two.